Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And today I have returning as a special guest from the Willard Library in Battle Creek, Mac McCullough, also known as Michael McCullough, to his family. Where, where's the applause and the whistles and stuff? Come on, beat soundtracks. I put that on there. <laughs> So he, so Mac is actively involved with the local digital collections, history, and community outreach for Willard Library. He also hosts programs for Willard Library, including Stories at Sundown and also Peaks into the Past. And today we're going to talk about some of the stories from the holiday season in Battle Creek and also New Year's. So welcome back to the show, Mac. Thanks for taking time to be on the podcast today. Well, it's so good to be here. Thank you for having me back. Could you maybe do a little introduction to maybe the audience that maybe sure. didn't hear your earlier interviews with me? Yeah. And tell us about yeah, tell yeah. us about well, Willard. I, yeah, yeah. Matt, Mac is a nickname. My name is Michael McCullough. Mac is short for McCullough. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a Battle Creek transplant. I moved here in 1998 and came here to work for the Battle Creek Inquirer. Um, was there for uh, 18 years. And, uh, and then I hopped on over when my job was eliminated, like so many, mm-hmm. hopped on over to Willard Library. And uh, it, it's, been a, it's been a terrific place. And I, I tell you, Willard is one of the, I think it's like the second large, our oldest library, public library in the state of Michigan. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, among the first. And a lot of history there, which I just really, really enjoy and sharing it with you and sharing it with others. and do a lot of research and uh, do some neat programming, bring some cool guests in. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had Joe Haywood, the author from the UPN. We had like uh-huh. 75 people in our That was terrific. Um, then we followed that up with a shipwreck diver, uh-huh. Ross Richardson. Yep. So I get to do that kind of fun stuff. And uh, and I do some outreach too. And I do those live or those streaming programs you're referring to, although... Stories of Sundown is getting a bit of a reboot. Okay. I'm, uh, I haven't done many lately, and it's been you know a very eventful few several months for me, and and uh, got away from it. But also, I don't usually do them at sundown, so the name just didn't make sense anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they originally probably were at sundown, and they changed, huh? They were. It was a <laughs> pandemic uh, shutdown uh, idea that you know I built a fire in my backyard and. And at first, I just read stories, but you know, it evolved into conversations, which I've really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I was preparing for one this morning with somebody. Um, so I'm going to change the name of it to "In Your Backyard." Oh, good deal! And yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, I'm excited about it. Um, I'm really excited. It about, should be more uh, like "Over the <laughs> Fence." Into the you know, you know how neighbors yeah. used to hang over the hanging on the fence or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and my technology is a little better now, so it's not as cumbersome. It's easier to do it one-on-one in person. We can still do remote. We can still do one-on-one, but uh, I'm excited about it. That's great. A lot of great stories. Yeah. So there's a lot of holiday traditions in Battle Creek's history. One of them is the Festival of Lights. Um, Have you ever come across any stories about how that got started? I know I've talked to a few people I can share with you, but... Yeah, um, you know, I haven't. This is all from memory from me, uh, Michael, so you'll have to bear with me. You can correct me. Don't, don't worry about embarrassing <laughs> me. But, but uh, I know that it, it, it uh, was born in 1991. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Bobrovsky was the mayor. Right. 
Um, I don't know if you met Bob, but uh, great guy, um, really nice Isn't guy. Isn't it Al and Boboski? You're right, Al. Al. I'm right. sorry. Yes. Now no, there you go and embarrassing me again. Jeez. <laughs> it's okay. I would have had a hard time uh, pronouncing his last name. I was waiting for you to pronounce yeah. the last name for me. So, <laughs> I, And I know I have lunch with Al just about every week, so I still don't know oh, okay. his last name very well. That's part of that uh, group at, uh, <laughs> yeah. at Claris. Yeah, we meet I need to drop on you guys someday. Um, but yeah, and uh, it, it was, I remember from the context of people reading or writing and, and talking about it past its heyday, you know, uh-huh. what, what, why isn't this thing not doing, you know, cause when it started, it was a huge deal. Yeah. Um, a lot of, a lot of, uh, money was invested in uh, what they call the tunnel of light. Mm. And this was right after the Kellogg foundation's headquarters was uh, built on, uh, Michigan Avenue. So it was kind of a heady time that there was a lot of, uh, confidence that, Battle Creek was coming back, you know, that it was going to be a resurgence of, of the local economy in the downtown. And uh, I can't remember, it was like eight, you know, I can't remember how many lights, like 850,000, I think, that were, were used in mm-hmm. it. And so it's been a tradition since then. Uh, but in those days, it really brought a lot of people downtown. Yeah. It still does. Yeah. It still does bring people downtown, but not at the scale because it was really special and uh, everybody was involved. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I spoke with Al about the story, and I'm, he probably could tell it a lot better than I was because he was there, but he mentioned that there was a, a Japanese investor or something that came, was in town and was working here, and he asked him at a luncheon, why isn't there a Christmas light display downtown or something like that? Huh. And Al wow. said, well, there's just no budget for it. You know, we don't have a budget. And apparently this guy was leaving town or something, but he gave Al, the next time he saw him, a check. And he said, put on a Christmas light display and get some extra dollars. And the guy, he opened up this envelope the guy handed to him was something like a $50,000 check or something of that magnitude. And so they started. And then, of course, then they started, they got some extra dollars and budgeted. So it was was quite an investment to get all those original displays yeah, and yeah. uh you know of course but the economy was different back then too 90s was a little different than today for sure you know so absolutely well you know we've we, we had tough times then and tough times before but i think there was still a, a confidence that we were going to get back roar back yeah and that sense of optimism really you know that to me, that's what the Festival of Lights really mm-hmm. represented, the International Festival of Lights. Yep. Um, and it was still growing strong it. when I moved here. I think I moved here in 2001, and it was still being called yeah. the International Festival of Lights. Big deal. It was tied up. It was connected with also displays out at the zoo, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Big deal. Yeah. A lot of good stuff. And they still have really nice displays downtown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Schweitzer always does a great uh, a great display there at uh, the park across the Michigan from uh, from the uh, foundation, um, and Claire's always looks great. Yeah, I mean the town downtown is beautiful. Yeah, it, it really, really is, is a great and, place. Um, what's this, Pat, the drone guy, who often posts a lot of videos yeah. on YouTube. He's always uh, reminding me how beautiful the the the, the uh, skyline in Battle Creek is from his flyovers that he does especially around christmas time and they're just wonderful yeah you know so yeah it's a beautiful city so yeah. you worked at the newspaper for many years do you recall any particular holiday story that really stood out to you 
or event. Boy, when you asked me that, I was like racking my brain. The thing that I remember most about the holiday season was just marshalling enough uh, stories and, and reporting and finding people to make sure that we could get through the holidays and have something interesting in the paper, yeah. which, you know, a lot of times we did. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that really stuck out was Y2K. Yeah. Um, and that was New Year's Eve um, on, on the year on the eve of 2000. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was so much hysteria about what was going to happen. I don't think happen. people realize, remember that. If you went through that, it was like, oh, the world is going to end with this electronic switchover yeah. thing. And Yeah, yeah. And it was like all hands on deck at the paper. I mean, I think every employee was there. Yeah. Maybe not employee but a lot of employees were there the publisher was there uh-huh. and you know we were all there and we had plans to get get the paper out even if the uh you know if we lost internet connection or anything that right. had to do with anything that y2k was going to destroy which of course nothing happened at all, all right um and um uh, but it was uh yeah, that was that was pretty memorable, and uh, there weren't a lot of storms. There were a couple of ice storms around the holidays that we kind of got through, but nothing, nothing, you know, like monumental. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing. I mean, there was one year that there was I don't know eight nine thousand people without power, and it was pretty cold. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't one of those you know blizzards that are dropped three feet and paralyzes the whole city. And, makes it hard to even get to work but uh you know the, yeah the thing i remember is just trying to give you know i always tried to tell inspirations inspirational stories mm-hmm. um always tried to uh you know add some good quality content to the paper but it's hard you know because yeah. heck everybody goes on vacation <laughs> so yeah it's uh interesting i remember one year in january we had a um, ice storm i think it was 2008 and woke up without power and i just walked around i grabbed my camera i walked around i said maybe the power will be on later on the day and i walked around outside and just took photos of ice on the trees it was really nice ice storm it was beautiful and then of course the power didn't come on that night and the next night and the next night and i was two weeks without power Uh, that was the, the longest time um I had without power and I was of course you couldn't eat anything at home cuz you couldn't cook anything and you couldn't like yeah. no one wanted to hang out at home and I you know my family we stayed at our house for uh a c- first couple of nights with the fireplace but you run through wood pretty quick after that and uh really give yeah. an appreciation yeah. for how the pioneers made it through I mean because they didn't have central heating and you know I ended up renting <laughs> hotel rooms every night so I had a warm place to sleep every night with them, you know. Um, uh, that was, you know, uh, some of my neighbors toughed it out and stayed just burning wood, but yeah. it was crazy. Yeah. It was a crazy time. If you can, good. I mean, I, I, I escaped that um, where I was at. We didn't lose power, which was good because I lose power. I had a well and oh, no water. Yeah. No water, know, nothing. nothing. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people suffer through that every winter when there's a shut and a lockdown of uh, power, you know, going out. But, um, yeah, yeah, I found some interesting stories about going back in time. I thought I would look at some New Year's days from long ago, and I found this one that was published in the 1919 newspaper. And I thought being your old newspaper guy, you might find this interesting. It's published on New Year's Day, 
1919. It says, The merger of the morning Enquirer and the evening news were affected this year. Uh, local newspaper yeah. history. Uh, the merger of the Enquirer and the evening news into a weekday afternoon and Sunday morning service for the readers instead of the morning service of the Enquirer and the evening service of the yeah. news marked one of the interesting developments of the year. The change was partly, by the way, the adjustment to war conditions and partly to Square Battle Creek newspaper service with the modern tendency, which has been steadily yeah. away from morning newspapers in cities of this size. And this was night, yeah. you know, that year, so they, they changed, the, uh, they merged the two papers. And then it goes on yeah. to say that yeah. one, well, the highest circulation was for the Morning Enquirer at 7,500. That was their mm-hmm. their high water mark, and the other one, when they merged, they were at twelve thousand in circulation. Uh, another interesting thing yeah. in the same article is this: Camp Custer journalism also had interesting developments during the year. Remember, nineteen eighteen and nineteen seventeen, they had Camp Custer with all. It was just kind of this massive city that suddenly emerged out there just west of Battle Creek of all these soldiers. And so the Enquirer right. News had joined with various newspaper publishers throughout the country under the direction of John Stuart Bryan of Richmond, Virginia, to simply uh, to supply a trench and camp newspaper, which was an eight-page sheet, a uh, special page for the, the Army and, and the, as part of the YMCA. And then the trench and camp was phased out and replaced with an army publication called Custer Life, which we can find in your yeah. archives. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. All that happened in that year 1919 with and the I newspapers. And I remember so. off the top of my head, 1912, we, were there still the any of the other papers still there? The Moon? I, I think the Moon or? was still around in 1912. This is yeah. 1919. Um, 1919, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were a newspaper town. Yeah. Um, C.W. Post famously owned um, the Battle Creek Enquirer, mm-hmm. or maybe not famously, but he owned the Battle Creek Enquirer. He, he's the one that recruited the Al Miller, who initially turned the job down. Mm. And, of course, the Miller Foundation, uh, obviously there's a lot of signs that he didn't. Um, that was the family that uh, prevailed, and and uh, the Enquirer prevailed as the paper. But when it started, it wasn't the best paper in town. Right. Um, it was Al Miller who really turned that around, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it. I love going back, you know. And if you go into our archive, um, and actually, if you have a library card, you can access those papers at home yeah. on our website um, before 1925. It, it's just a hoop um, and interesting, and the yeah. stories that that you pick up there, um, it's, it, it's just really interesting. And I, I love I love seeing how. Uh, the community really like had a, a glue about it that was really reflected in those papers and how people wrote yeah. and how people talked and how everybody knew everybody. Yeah. Um, they didn't even give addresses for anybody's house. They just said over at so-and-so's house, you know, because yeah, they knew everybody. Knew yeah. Especially the, the, the early 1900 papers, they just yeah. they would reference what side of town they were on maybe, but most everybody knew where they were, yeah. you know? Right. Yeah. Well, nineteen nineteen yeah. was interesting because that that New Year's was, you know, they had just Armistice Day had happened a few months before, the Spanish right. flu was still, 
a problem in region. the in the region. People were still there was a little bit of a panic still going on about that. So a very interesting yeah. time in the city's history. Plus, you know, 1917, a few years before, there's all of these construction people that showed up to build Camp Custer. That yeah. um, I came across a story that year that uh, from one month to the other, like from August to September, I want to say, the the police arrests for like August was like 30. And then the following months, it was like 300. Yeah. Because of all the drunken disorderly that had happened downtown. Um, and it was because yeah. of all these workers that had come into town on the railroad and they just swelled. Yeah. They had 10,000 workers working out there building Camp Custer, you know, because they yeah. had all the barracks yeah. and all those buildings they were building. So, very interesting few years for Battle Creek's history. It changed the whole dynamic yeah. of the. Yeah. Yeah. The, it re, you're right. It changed the dynamic. It, it, uh, it really, one of the many things that just put us on the map. Yeah. You know, and again, it was it was going strong even through World War II. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, it's fun. It's fun to think about that. And you're right. The police reports from those days. I mean, there was quite a quite a bit because you had a lot of people away from home. And what do men do when they're away from home? Yeah. <laughs> their pace. I, I actually re- I was researching a story for a future book, and I reached out to the police department and said, "Do you guys still have like crime records from a hundred years ago? I mean, it was police investigation. I'd love to get copies of this stuff. Where can I find it?" And they didn't know. They don't. They said they don't have anything that far back, and it would have been sent to the right. state. And when you say go to the state, it's like I guess you'd basically have to go to the state library archives and spend a day there navigating to find out yeah. where these things yeah. are at. Yeah. I may have to do that. You know, maybe maybe yeah. we'll rent a room in Lansing for a couple of days and just explore <laughs> the archives of the state of Michigan. It would be fun. It would Yeah, it's amazing. We I, I often get requests for uh, records from that time period mm-hmm. and later. Um, and they expect the library to have them. And of course we don't. Right. Um, we have a lot, but we you know, we don't have like like hospital discharge lists. <laughs> oh yeah, they expect us to. I'd have love to see stuff. old police records um, in their investigations and yeah. their notes. It just would be fun to go through that. Do you guys have old diaries yeah. from people from that? Yeah, we do. We have a lot of old diaries and a lot of scrapbooks. Um, actually, this has been my project all year, and it's still ongoing. Um, we have a storage room way back the. I guess it's not too far back, but the Willard Library used to have a Michigan room, and it was full of uh, historic photographs. You know, Kurt Thornton, who, uh, you know, I mean, he, he talks about going in there, and they were just open for anybody to go through. Right. At some point, um, it was converted to something else. When we built the oil, we also built the branch, or the Willard built the branch, and a lot of that historic material got stuffed into this very cramped, storage area and it's been that way and i since i've been there i was like we've got to do something and finally this year i said you know what i'm going to go through it Mm -hmm. and it's just been fascinating to read i mean i find documents uh jonathan hart's land grant from federal land grant you know it's signed you know 18 was you know i I found documents as old as 1804 wow um i have um I have some war diary, war time civil. I have a civil war diary. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I have uh, a lot of scrapbooks from the newsmen of the day. Uh, so George Emmett Barnes, uh-huh. the dean of Back Creek Journalism, he's right. called, um, and, and others like him. And I don't keep a lot of the old newspaper clips uh-huh. because we have them all online. But when I have a scrapbook like that that somebody has thoughtfully, lovingly put together and preserved, I think it deserves to be preserved. Yeah. And sometimes you find really uh, nice little notes in there in the margins uh-huh. as well. Uh, yeah, we do have quite a bit of that kind of material. Yeah, another thing that I find interesting is you would find um, year-end, what do they call them, necrological reports that they would publish in these eighteen <laughs> in the 1800s. You see it in the newspaper, and it was a list of everybody who died that year. <laughs> Which can be yeah. very useful yeah. nowadays, looking back when you're trying to find it is. an obit, but it's just kind of grisly as well <laughs> to see, you know, they kept track of all of the deaths of the year and they'd make this yeah. big long list in the in the sequence of their neighbors that died, which really yeah. kind of shows how big the community was to have that many deaths in a year, you know. And it also shows the the uh, role of a local newspaper in a community like Battle Creek, right. you know, I mean, right. that... It's, uh, you know, it, it truly was a paper of record, mm-hmm. or they all were papers of record because they all did it, you yeah. know, when there was multiple newspapers in town. Um, you know, that's one of the things that happened in the industry as we as it circled the drain. Uh-huh. Um, used to be everybody got an obit. Now, we didn't, we didn't do the necrological thing, right. but, and we didn't, you know, uh, curate that for a New Year's paper, but everybody got an obit in the local newspaper. Yeah. And we started for them and they're not cheap mm-hmm. and uh, the shopper still carries a lot of them but you know I just miss that sense that uh, you know that that we are documenting our community as thoroughly as we can so yeah. it was different yep you probably hear my dog yeah we got your uh, your dog joining us in the podcast the folks that's just uh, the commentary is free <laughs> so <laughs> So 1912, you've got um, an article that says on January 1st, 1895, just 17 years ago, the manufacturer of Postum was started in the Little White Barn. There's a historic marker out by the Post um, cereal factory that talks about the Little White Barn. I don't know if the White Barn's there anymore. Is the White Building still around? They moved it, but it, it has been moved. It's been moved, but, yeah. Yeah, it was a long time. Yeah, very interesting yeah. history. Yeah, well, again, I mentioned that the Post owned the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, he's such an interesting guy. I mean, of of some of the of some of like the iconic members of our community, you know, historic members of our community that we talk about today, I, I think he may be maybe one of, if not the most interesting person, if I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with him. Oh, he would be. I don't yeah. know. Like, I don't know if we'd like each other, yeah. but, but I don't know. He sounded like a, uh, a real Renaissance man. Uh-huh. Um, you know, when, when he was first starting out, um, you know, he, he bought the Beardsley farm out on, on a cliff and, uh, built the La Vista Inn. Right. And was it La Vista? Did I get that right? I can't remember what's the name, but it was basically a sanitarium modeled after what they were doing at the sanitarium. Okay. Um, it didn't do very well, but 
uh, once he sold his first batch of Postum, which was his first product, and and really began to expand, I mean, he was right down there with the laborers building, you know, laying brick. Mm-hmm. Um, he could do anything that anybody else did. Wow. Um, and he bought the paper to really be a platform for his his uh, causes, his crusades. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I, I think he got tired of it. I don't know how long it was before. Uh, Al Miller uh, bought the paper out, outright. Um, I see. He, Al Miller was uh, recruited as the business manager and then became the editor and publisher. Mm. And uh, he really created what we know of today is what we used to know of today is federated publications, but they had a chain of several, several newspapers across the country. The Millers did. Yeah. So, but it was an interesting time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, uh, that uh, look back at at, at, uh, at CW Post and starting that drink. I mean that, you know, at the time. I mean the the Kellogg's and Posts, you know, mm-hmm. did not get along. Oh yeah, at all. They they called, accused him of stealing their formula, which yeah. maybe he did, maybe he did. I don't know. But uh, it, it was interesting. He was a shrewd yeah, businessman. I, saw... I think they were all shrewd businessmen. So it's hard to they say really what really went down with that. But either way, you know, he was the fastest made millionaire in America um, at yeah. that point. It's basically like four or five years. Yeah. It's basically four or five years. It's just, you know, we, we call ourselves a serial city, mm-hmm. but I don't think we really appreciate just how revolutionary it was at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, how it changed how food was manufactured and distributed mm-hmm. across the country. The whole idea of health food, you know, that predated the cereal industry. I mean, that was a Battle Creek invention. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, it, you know, everybody's eye was on us. This little middle town in the middle of lower peninsula, uh, Michigan, mm-hmm. um, was influencing people around the country and around the world. Yeah. I think of the people that I would be most interested in interviewing would probably be A.C. Hamblin. He's the one that founded yeah. the um, the Hamblin Opera House. I mean, of the early businessmen, yeah. he would be one. He was a visionary. I mean, he was somewhat of a Renaissance man himself. He was the yeah. banker, but he saw the need to bring entertainment to the city, and he found he funded yeah. the Opera House. And it yeah. was the first yeah. real big commercialized entertainment that came through Battle Creek, you know, between New York and Chicago with these big theatrical troops. And, of course, that was pretty commonplace. There were there were theaters and opera houses in Jackson and Ann Arbor and Kalamazoo and all the way down to St. Joseph. But it was he was visionary enough to see the necessity for that, you know, and uh, yeah, it would be an interesting one to talk to. Yeah, he would be. I mean, there was always this thread, or always is this thread, when you look at uh, the records of the day, the newspapers, the thing that people said, the speeches that they gave. Right. There was always this thread of Battle Creek punching above its weight. You know that that we're we may be small, but we're mighty. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> and and I mean, and they they lived up to it. We the city and the people that lived here lived up to that for a long time. But yeah, even though Battle Creek was small, our geography relative to Chicago and Detroit made us a pretty, you know, logical stop. And uh, you mentioned Hamlin, and I'll just mention Post again because same thing. I, 
he was ridiculed for building the post tavern where he built it because that was out of town. Right. That was that was away from downtown. He was making a gamble, uh-huh. really, that other people thought was foolish. Um, but he really believed the Battle Creek could be, you know, a major city, right. and he invested heavily in it. And same thing, uh, entertainers, um, you know, nationally known entertainers coming to Battle Creek frequently. Um, and that's actually something else I found in that storage area was just oh, dozens of old playbills right. um, of the people who came. It's just, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, the Iroquois Theater Fire in Chicago was a significant change for all the opera houses and theaters. And I was trying to, I think that's what made the Post Tavern, it happened in 1903. And so before that, mm-hmm. you had theaters that were basically, a lot of them were death traps. They didn't have fire exits. They didn't have, they were up, like the the Hamblin, all the, was probably a fire trap because everybody was upstairs, you know. Oh, sure. Um, that and that's what killed the Eagle Opera House out in Marshall is because after the 1903 fire in, in Chicago were, I think it was uh, 602 deaths happened at that fire. They had the capacity for yeah. 1,700 people. They started putting yeah. in the fire codes with all these theaters across the country, and it became sort of local ordinances. And so that's when the Post Theater was built in the post next yeah. to the Post Tavern, and yeah. it kind of replaced... It was more modernized, had all the emergency exits and stuff in it, and uh, and yeah. then the Bijou came after, right around that same time as well, and the the Hamblin men are becoming a feed and seed store or something like that, or a dry goods store or something like that. The old, yeah. but uh, yeah, and actually, when I was looking at New Year's papers to prepare for this, I did come across one in which uh, there was a lot of hand wringing about some of the old buildings downtown that there was you know, raise them or redevelop them. Right. And the hand was one of them. So yeah. glad it's still there. I mean, those buildings have a lot of character and a lot of stories to tell. I would love to see and something historical done with the old Hamblin. I mean, it's now the, um, people don't recognize it. It's that green building downtown, but uh, yeah. I forgot what the name of it on yeah. the top of it. Lynn something building or it's, it's a, it's the taller, taller building. building. That's it? what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd love to see someone yeah. take it and turn that into a museum or something like that, even though it's not much historical left inside of it. But uh, right. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I would, too. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 so cool that these things uh, have survived. Although I was talking to somebody today about how old buildings are not, you know, in, mm-hmm. out east. You know, yeah. we think of a 200 year old building here as ancient. Right. At least that's not all that old. And then if you go over to Europe, you, yeah. know, you might buy a house that's 700 years old. Exactly. You know, just a model. Our, our concept of age <laughs> is so different from the East and from the European area. So, yeah. Well, did you have any other interesting stories that you came across about New Year's or the holiday season? I saw you guys had reindeer out at the uh, library <laughs> recently. I went by and took some photos yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's just. Is it the second year or third? I don't know. It's definitely definitely been a couple of years. Last year, I think we did it yeah. at the branch. We had the reindeer, and Santa was on the uh, it was in the children's room, and we had other treats. And the place was packed. I mean, people just had such a good time, yeah. and uh, it was it was fun to see that many people in the library in an evening because evenings can get pretty quiet. So that's good to have. A, <laughs> we there was a lot of kids showing up when I got there, so that was great. So. 
Yeah. Any interesting programs yeah. for the new year at the at the library? Yeah. Um, well, I can I can share that um, we are we have a uh, reserved uh, Kellogg Auditorium for April fourth. Okay. Um, we're uh, nothing's been. I think I think we're all set. It, it's it's going to happen, but under the radar, the fellows that do the PBS show or the Michigan. A public uh, television show under the radar coming to town. Oh, that'll be fun. Um, yeah, and it, it's uh, not not like what they do. Like what they they were just in Battle Creek last summer. They were at the convention, uh, the uh, the visitors bureau. Uh-huh. Um, but this is a program about them and about what they do and why they do it. And they're pretty popular. And I, I saw one place where they had three hundred people, and I thought, well. We need to find a venue that will, you know, handle whatever we get because I think it's going to. I told a group of uh, an NPC, which NPC was it? NPC One last night about it, and they all knew about Under the Radar and they were really excited. Wow. So that's coming. Um, and I think I told you what I'm, the changes that I'm doing with with uh, my uh, my program. We're also having. Uh, our, our Battle Creek reads this year, and I'm going to embarrass myself yet again because mm-hmm. I can't remember the author's name, but the author of uh, Buttermilk Graffiti, which is a look at um, how uh, restaurants around the country, you know, he's he's basically showing uh, how it, it tells the story of the culture and the communities of, of where he finds these places. And um, so I'm excited about that, and I have this idea to uh you know i launched that tour app last year and haven't done anything with it since because i've been so busy but um i have a lot of plans to expand it i had this idea or actually matt had this idea matt willis the director and we we were kind of talking about it but you know we have a lot of cool out of the way restaurants in town locally owned restaurants and we were talking about sweet peas which is the new burmese restaurant Mm -hmm. but we have a lot of places like that so it'd be kind of cool to put together a tour of those you know, things that really like that would be you know, great. Kind of get yeah. It. And then you could do like a restaurant yeah. night downtown or something like that, or a taste of Battle Creek, yeah. something along that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I really just highlight, mm-hmm. you know, highlight. I mean, it's, that's a hard business. That's a hard business to, to succeed it in. Is. Um, and some are really enduring. Uh, Sweet Pea is an amazing cook. <laughs> we had her and her sister um, over to our house one evening for dinner and, and, you know, we were cooking, but she brought a whole bunch of stuff to eat. And, wow. You know, so that, yeah. And, uh, and then, of course, there is the famous um, burger joint in town. Help me, Michael. What's the name of that I burger don't joint? I burgers. Biggs. What's it? Biggs Burger. Big, oh, okay. Yes. I've heard of them. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, so that to me would be a really cool one. I mean, we have a lot of great ethnic restaurants around town. Um, one of my favorites is walking distance salsas on Emmett street, you know, and there's stories behind all of those. Right. Right. And I think it really helps to uh, raise, you know, the city, the profile of the city in, in many ways and gets people to enjoy it because yeah. there's a lot to enjoy. It's been really nice to see that new Holland brewing seems to be doing well. That seems like a very busy yeah. place. There's always uh, the Griffin pub and, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, they've all, and uh, cricket Cricket's club right next door. And, yeah, uh, and there's hand map. I, I enjoy hand map a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, really enjoying the uh, beer garden at uh, Halton and Holland. 
Um, on Friday and Saturday nights, they generally have entertainment, live entertainment. Oh, I have to go out there. I and, haven't been out. I've only went there once right after the Del Shannon show. And, um, yeah. It was on a Sunday, so that was probably not entertainment that night. So, yeah. That's, it's, it, they get people I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, but that doesn't mean anything. I'm, I'm old and square and all that. So there's probably a lot of people <laughs> I don't know. But uh, uh, one week there was a, a, a trio that, their percussionist was playing spoons and instruments. I mean, it was kind of like a folky mm-hmm. uh, roots kind of uh, thing. And that was really, really good. They were great musicians. And then uh, last week uh, there was a, 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 a guy with his guitar um, who was just phenomenal. Oh. And, and, uh, and it's not like a music venue. So people don't go there necessarily yet to go hear the music. Right. And so a lot of people aren't tension mm-hmm. um but then like last week uh at the end or toward the end or actually toward the end of my stay there suddenly there were people up there dancing with their kids wow. <laughs> that was just so yeah so there's a lot of fun things yeah, i noticed time. that people will go also go to all three of them like they'll they'll go restaurant the restaurant that they'll wind down at the cricket club and they'll spend time yeah. in New holland so yeah. it's kind of neat to see that downtown again and um, yeah. And we should mention Clara's again. Clara's is always a wonderful hangout. Yeah. 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 And I'm sorry to anybody that I'm leaving out, yeah. but because uh, there are there are some, but you know, Clara's a is a real slice of Battle Creek life and lore and culture. Yeah. You know that old historic train station. Train station. Oh. If you can get a get yeah. a chance to eat inside the old ticket room, that's kind of a neat special space too. You yeah. Know? So. Yeah. Not a neat. Not a. Yeah. It's hard to find a. Uh, the cozy fireplace is also something you can't beat. If you want a nice fireplace dining atmosphere, go to, go to Clara's, you know, a lot of great stuff yeah. like that in that building. Yeah. So, well, I'll be speaking at uh, the Willard library on in March, March 14th. I'm looking at my calendar here. I've got my book coming out. You guys are one of my first events that evening, uh, that week the book comes out. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then I also met Helen that Helen Warner be. a couple weeks later on a Saturday, so that'll be a lot of fun too. So, get the weeks or it's, is it a couple weeks that's after? The twenty. I thought it was the twenty third. So it's about a week later, huh. Thursday the fourteenth, and then Saturday the twenty yeah. third is what I have down. So, should be fun. Has your audience already heard about? Has your audience heard about your book? Yes, they have. They have heard about the book, and I've been talking it up. They're a lot of people messaging me. I just finally got the link posted yesterday from uh, the publisher finally put the image up there. They've had the book description up there without the image, so I didn't really want to share it on social media until they did that. But they finally uploaded the image just a few days ago, and so right after Black Friday was over, so I sent it. I started sharing it around. They can sign up right now. That's about all you can do. You can't pre-order. Um, you can sign up sure. to get an email. And uh, there'll yeah. probably be a pre-order function coming coming soon. And when they do that, I'll put that on my website and get people to pre-order. Uh, trying to get some yeah. of that done, but yeah. uh, that'll be cool. That's exciting. Yeah. That's something else about Greek has a tradition of a lot of people publishing their own books, even contemporary. You know? Yeah, there's a lot uh, of John a lot of creative writers Bob. around here. So yeah, uh, James Smith. Um, yeah, it, and uh, and it's always been thus. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go into a, in that storage area, I can take you to a lot of um, just book old books that local people have published. You know, and we had a lot of publishing houses then in Battle Creek. No, yeah, maybe that's 
long term, but we had we published a lot of things in Battle Creek, starting Review and Herald, the Dennis and all that. So right. Yeah. Well, it's been fun talking with you, Mac. It's always informative to hear what's happening at the library and things that are going on. Any last-minute things that you want to share about what's happening at Willard, maybe in the first quarter of the year? I mentioned, well, you mentioned your book yeah. and, and, your, and your book there. Thank you for that, because my memory's not so great sometimes. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, what else? What else? You know, I, I, I and I mentioned the uh, Battle Creek Reads. Uh, you know, I think, you know, and another thing that I do, I should at least be able to remember what I do, right? Uh, I host a weekly uh, healthy yoga for healthy aging that's taught by a local person, oh. uh, and Julie Jackson, and it's very popular. Okay, it's very popular, and and, and it's also very good for people. I good. mean, it, it really does help people um, with their flexibility and strength and balance, and so that'll start up uh, January 11th downtown. Um, so I'm excited about that. Where, where is that? Is that held um, at the library? Yeah, at the library okay. in the lower level. Oh, that's great. So the, yeah. all of the information, by the way, folks, is at willardlibrary.org. They have calendar of events. So they have all kinds of stuff, even local authors and events programs. That's how I found out about the reindeers is I happened to go on the library and I saw that on there. But you also have a social media page too, right, Mac? We have a Facebook, Facebook. page, absolutely. Okay. Yeah have the other stuff too that i don't okay. go to but we have some of that too <laughs> um, but yeah it's uh yeah if you follow us on facebook and that's this is a facebook town still i think yeah. i don't know when i was at the paper that's what we kind of just decided was that twitter just wasn't getting traction here but facebook did but if you follow us on facebook um you'll you'll get all of this stuff and you'll get alerts you'll see my videos and you can find all of my videos on YouTube and just uh, YouTube and look up Willard Library. You can find mine and my whole, all my colleagues' videos there as well. Right. Um, so it's a cool place. Well, good. Well, cool place to spend the evening. Right. Well, thanks for joining me, Mac. It's Obviously. always fun having you here. So, folks, if you'd like to find out more about the Willard Library, please visit the willardlibrary.org. And he has, they have all that information there, plus their Facebook page. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. You can check out my calendar on that page to find out my upcoming dates for my book tour in starting in March. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to leave a rating or review on whatever app that you are listening on. Always helps to get new people out there. And this is my final episode of the year, so we'll be starting Season 3 when you tune in the next time, folks. So until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening. Happy holidays and happy new year, everybody. Happy new year, everyone. Thank you. Yeah.